Welcome to Jonathan on Money, the personal finance podcast that brings you the latest insights and strategies to help you achieve your financial goals. I'm your host, Jonathan I. Shankman. On this podcast, we'll cover everything from investing, financial planning, retirement, and behavioral finance. I'll share advice and practical tips to help you make the most of your money. So whether you're just starting out or looking to take your finances to the next level, Jonathan on Money is here to help. Let's dive into this week's show. Welcome to this week's episode of Jonathan on Money. This is episode number 36, my double high episode. For those who may not be familiar, every Hebrew word also has Hebrew val- has a numerical value. The value of the word Hebrew of the Hebrew word chai is 18. The word chai means life, and it's customary for Jewish people to give monetary gifts for se- or for celebrations that are multiples of 18. In fact, a common Jewish toast, l'chaim, which means to life, is often said at a celebration in anticipation of all the good things to come. So may the Jonathan on Money episode episode number 36, which is double high, be in anticipation for many good things to come for all listeners, for the financial markets, and for the entire world. And let us all say, Amen. My talking points this week will discuss seven ways to invest in Israel today, given the war in Gaza. This is one of the most important topics of the day and the one I received the most questions about, so hopefully it will be informative. We'll also discuss an important quote from FDR. And as always, I'll also spend the last half of my episode answering listeners' questions. With that, let's jump into this week's talking points. So one of the themes I discuss frequently with clients is the concept of aligning one's money with their values. After all, money is a tool to be able to achieve the life we want and support the causes about which we care. Accumulating more wealth for the sole purpose of having a larger bank balance is an empty pursuit that will not lead to satisfaction. In today's anti-Semitic and hostile environment, many clients have been asking me the best way to invest in Israel during these difficult times. Thankfully, there are multiple wonderful ways for accomplishing this goal. The below is a list um, that I'll mention that is not exhaustive, but a good starting point for many investors. One, you can invest your time by volunteering in Israel. Not every investment is financial. In fact, volunteering may be one of the most impactful ways of investing in Israel today. I've been told by Israelis that volunteers from around the world are in strong demand. In particular, there are a need for volunteers on farms to pick crops. With so many Israelis currently serving in the army, extra hands to help the country's struggling farms are vital. In fact, I was speaking with an Israeli-based attorney last month who who has taken time off from the practice of law to volunteer with his family on a nearby farm. The possibilities for volunteering are endless. Contacting your local rabbi or the Jewish National Fund may be a good starting point to connect you with the most appropriate volunteering programs. Two, you can offer your financial support through giving tzedakah. There are many worthwhile causes to help Israel, soldiers, hostages, the wounded, and so forth. Israel also needs supplies for the IDF and others involved in the war effort. Great causes to consider include general support to the people of Israel, displaced residents of southern and northern Israel, equipment for hospitals, trauma services, victims of terror, emergency operations and recovery efforts, and the women and children holding down the home front. For specific suggestions for allocating your tzedakah dollars, to support Israel, consider exploring the UJA website or reaching out to them directly, as they have already given $50 million to various Israeli causes. Three, you can educate students, politicians, and co-workers about Israel. University campuses have become a hotbed of anti-Semitism and pro-Hamas propaganda. 
Most young students are driven by emotions, catchy slogans, and the popular grievance du jour rather than by truth. However, students who are armed with knowledge can calmly explain their position to any receptive audience. While there are undoubtedly students who are anti-Semites, there are likely many who are just ignoramuses and will be, will be open to learning and the exchanging of ideas. The Anti-Defamation League and the Stand With Us have some pointers on their website on student advocacy for Israel and how to have an impact on campus. There are also other ways of advocating for Israel. This may include peaceful rallies and writing letters to your local politicians, while it may feel like our elected officials have their own agenda, the reality is they like their jobs and can't totally ignore their constituents. The, pop, the power of respectful and consistent communication, letter writing, and rallying is a great way to get their attention and illustrate the issues that are important to the community they represent. Four, you can invest in Israeli debt by purchasing Israel bonds. One method of investing in Israel is by purchasing bonds from, from Israel. Fundamentally, Bonds are a way for an investor like you to lend money to an entity such as a company, municipality, or a country to invest in their infrastructure. In return for the privilege of borrowing your money for a set time frame, that entity will pay you interest. Since interest rates have gone up, the rates on Israeli bonds are more attractive today than they have been in a decade or longer. The best way to buy Israeli bonds is by going to the Israel Bonds website. And remember, please speak to your financial advisor to ensure it makes sense for you. Five, you can invest in Israeli companies. The best way to invest in the Israeli economy is through publicly traded stocks. This can be done by purchasing individual stocks of Israeli-based companies or by utilizing a mutual fund or exchange-traded fund, like an ETF, that buys those companies on your behalf. There is a myriad of fund companies that provide these products, including BlackRock, VanEck, ARK, and BlueStar. As with the purchase of Israeli bonds, it's important to discuss with your advisor what product is appropriate in your portfolio based on your goals and risk tolerance. Additionally, one creative way of supporting Israel indirectly is by making an effort to invest in companies that proudly support Israel. A helpful way to identify those companies is by researching anti-Semitic groups like BDS who have blacklisted and recommended divesting from. Counteract those recommendations by making every effort to buy products from those pro-Israel organizations. Six, you can also divest from companies who don't support Israel or are ambiguous about their denunciation of terrorism. I imagine many uh, listeners to this podcast do not wish to support companies who are anti-Israel or are more sympath sympathetic to the message of a terrorist organization like Hamas over a democracy like Israel. While refusing to support these businesses is the opposite of investing, redirecting your funds from causes that harm Israel to those that benefit Israel is also an important method of aligning your money with your values. <clears throat> and finally, seven, you can invest more effort in davening and learning Torah. While the aforementioned suggestions are a way of materially supporting Israel, it's important to remember that the most powerful tool available to each one of us is, is spiritual. The ability to daven or learn Torah in the merit of our soldiers, hostages, and victims of terror is crucial. While times are bad, even folks who are not religious or spiritual often find comfort and power in the ability to ask for help from Hashem. At the end of the day, the fate of the hostages and the success in eliminating Hamas is not really in the hands of the IDF, the United States, or the intermediaries that are negotiating for an end to this war. The ultimate decider is God. A direct appeal for his assistance, guidance, and protection during these challenging times is the best investment we can all make. Okay, those are the talking points for this week. And as a reminder, you can be notified of all my recent articles, webinars, and all the work I put out 
by subscribing to my free monthly newsletter at parkbridgewealth.com forward slash newsletter. We are currently at 7,500 subscribers and growing, so feel free to sign up and invite friends as well. Now for this week's quote, which is from Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the 32nd president in the United States, who said, there's no tragedy in growing old, but there is tragedy in growing old without means of support. This was made in a speech where he, where the former uh, president was addressing the Advisor Council Committee on Economic Security on the problems of economic and social security in November 14, 1934. I like this quote for a few reasons. The first is, in our materialistic society, it seems like people dread growing old. In reality, this is far from a tragedy, and it's certainly better than the alternative. In fact, there is a relationship between age and happiness, a chart of which resembles, remarkably, a smile. This relationship is essentially a U-shaped curve with the low point in happiness being roughly around the age of 40. So people are happy when they are young, figure between 25 and, and earlier. Then they start getting unhappy as they get older, have more responsibilities, and loved ones die, etc. Then at age 40, 45 or so, people begin to get happier when they become more content ironically, uh, more content and more financially uh, um, um, sustainable. And most people are found to be when they're much older. Ironically, this is when their health is not optimal and they may be unable to do many of the activities that they were able to do in their youth. So for many people, you get happier as you age despite the challenges with aging. The second reason why I like this quote is because it points to the need to have financial support as you age and stop working. Well, this quote was given in the context of Social Security, which is immensely important for many families. It also means folks who are early or in the middle of their career must save and invest in order to grow their nest egg to ensure that they maintain some level of financial support. Having enough money as you age will allow older folks to experience happiness and financial security, and that is a wonderful combination. Now let's jump into this week's financial questions. And if you do have a question, feel free to submit it to me at Jonathan at parkbridgewealth.com and it may be answered in a future episode. Okay, first question. I work at a soul-crushing job. If I retire now, I'll have to pull out 20K or more a year from my nest egg to meet my living expenses. I'm afraid of running out of money. Thoughts? Well, the answer to this is you should quit your job and find a way to make that additional 20K a year somewhere else. This can be through when you decide to claim Social Security, restructuring your portfolio, including a single premium media annuity into the mix, or working longer. Remember, there's no rule that says after you quit a long-time job that you can't do something part-time or at a lower-paying job that is more enjoyable. In fact, continuing to work is a very healthy retirement decision. If you are able to do it, people if your people complain a lot about work, but working in some capacity helps folks stay mentally sharp, socially engaged, and provides a structure to your day. The days of working at the same company until you're in your early 60s, retiring, getting gold watch while you collect your pension and social security are over. People live much longer than in years past, and folks must plan ahead. Next question. I'm looking to leave money to my kids. I'm debating between the S&P 500 index fund or Berkshire Hathaway stock, what would you recommend? I would recommend a more diversified portfolio and neither of these two suggestions by themselves. However, if you must choose one of these options, and I don't know why you would have to be so limited, I'd sooner pick the S&P 500 index fund since it's more diversified and Warren Buffett won't be around much longer to manage Berkshire Hathaway. You never want to be overly concentrated on one security or one area of the market. It's an unnecessary level of risk. 
Next question. I had a massive tax bill this year. My CPA said I can get nice tax benefits by investing in oil and gas partnerships. Good idea or not? So I don't know anything about oil and gas partnerships, but neither do most people, unless maybe you live in Houston or Texas area. That being said, it sounds like your CPA is letting the tax towel wag the investment dog. This is a big no-no. Investments should be made primarily if it will help you grow your wealth, not because it will help you minimize your tax bill. Remember, if you have a big tax bill, that means you have made a lot of money. The best way to save on taxes is to lose money on investments or make less money. There are many others, many other ways to save on taxes. Making less or losing money is, is the best way. When you make good money, don't worry about just lowering the tax bill. Be happy you made a lot of money and pay the tax man. Trying to get out of taxes is either illegal or usually just won't work out. Next question. I, re I read the data on asset allocation, which advocates for a small value tilt of one's portfolio to generate superior returns. This hasn't paid off over the past two decades since U.S. large growth stocks outperform meaningfully. Would you still suggest going with a small value tilt given the data? There's nothing wrong with having a slight tilt or overweighting your portfolio to small capitalization value stocks. As long as you're, you size the position correctly, you'll be fine. The key with investing is picking sensible strategy and sticking with it. The worst thing you can do is chase past top performers or change things around, around too often. Regards to the data, the ICR is determining an allocation that works for you. Adding money regularly and staying the course. It's very tempting to want to change around your portfolio to buy last year's winners. However, this is one of the common ways investors totally derail their finances. Any particular strategy to consider with bond yields as high as they are? Funny you should ask, I actually do have a suggestion. You should consider going up in credit quality since yields and investment-grade bonds are very attractive. It may no longer be necessary to take credit risk to achieve your goals since you may be able to get attractive yields for less risk and investment-grade credit. I know, that, uh, I know what you're probably thinking, but Yoni, I can get better returns by investing in lower-quality companies that have more risk. I get the appeal, but a higher return means a higher level of risk. More risk means you have a higher probability of losing your money or experiencing terrible returns through the life of the investment. Don't take unnecessary risk. Take less risk and shoot for the same return target before yields went up. Next question. My investment thesis is that technology will impact every industry. Therefore, I don't see, I don't see how an investor can go wrong investing exclusively in technology stocks Tech will continue to provide the best returns. Why invest anywhere else? In 2022, NVIDIA, Facebook, now called Meta, and Alphabet, formerly known as Google, were down 58%, 72%, and 39% respectively. Everybody loves these stocks when they're kicking tush and taking names. But how many people can stick with it when they are getting hammered like this? The answer is not many people. But let me ask you a better, Kasha. How many people can stick with technology when it may when it may have 15 years of negative returns? The answer is not you. Remember, this 15-year time period took place post the dot-com bubble. You may be saying, yeah, but we, we, ha we won't have another dot-com bubble. That happened already. It's true, we won't. We'll have some other market implosion and tech stocks will get hammered and may take years to recover. This is how the markets work and why we diversify. Most people can't handle a year or two of rough performance and abandon, end up abandoning their strategy. Kava Homer, how many people can handle many years of terrible performance or a 70% drawdown? 
When designing a portfolio, the key is not finding the next Amazon or Google. It's finding a strategy that can get you small wins relatively consistently and that you can stick with over the long term. Next question, do you believe the lottery is a tax on the dumb because statistically you can't win? No, the lottery buys people hope, maybe for a week, week or longer. A Chacham once said, remember Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Back to Jonathan here. As long as someone is not blowing a ridiculous percentage of their net income on lottery tickets, then it's a perfectly reasonable hobby. Don't underestimate the power of hope. Next question. Water is a commodity we all need, but it's in short supply. People, because of supply and demand, shouldn't it skyrocket in value? No. First, it's difficult to invest directly in water. For example, if you bought millions of gallons of water, most people in the first world countries, thankfully, aren't concerned about dehydration and won't purchase it from you as an individual investor. I'm sure there are many people in third world countries that are suffering from dehydration and would love to get a million dollars of water, but you don't have the operations to get it to them and they don't have the money to pay you. So in terms of supply and demand, it's just not a great generator of, in of income to an individual investor. Now let's assume you want to invest in water by purchasing stocks that are in the business of filtering and distributing water. This is sensible, but then you run into all the other same challenges of any other business, operational challenges, personnel issues, competition, etc. The important thing to keep in mind when investing is that you will not figure out some new hop that will guarantee you superior returns. There are thousands of people on Wall Street with advanced degrees from the finance institutions with many years of experience that are much smarter than you, and most of them can't even figure out how to consistently generate superior returns. The best way to win in the game of investing is to establish a sensible portfolio to achieve your goals and to stick with it over the long term. Sadly, most people can't do that either. Next question, any financial planning tips that work well in a high interest rate environment? Here are a few things to consider. One, money market accounts are very attractive for cash you need on hand, not for long-term investing. If you have cash sitting in an account earning you 1% to 2%, then get yourself into a normal money market account. Two, investment-grade bonds look attractive for a portion of your portfolio. Remember, bonds are not the answer for long-term investing since they will likely not outpace inflation. Three, moving up in credit quality, which I've alluded to earlier, on your fixed income. Prior to the increase in rates, many investors reached for yield by purchasing investments that were high risk in order to generate a certain threshold of income. For example, I'm talking about direct like private credit, junk bonds, etc. Since rates are now much higher, you may not need to take so much risk and can move into higher grade bonds that are generating relatively attractive yields. Four, there are several types of estate planning strategies that use a number of numbers derived from the federal funds rate and strategies that depend on these numbers may be beneficial in this high-rate environment. One example of an attractive strategy due to high rates is a charitable remainder trust, or CRT. A CRT combines philanthropy with tax planning. It is an irrevocable trust that pays an annual payment to an individual during the term of the trust, with the remainder passing to one or more named charities. Since the value of the grantor grantor's retained interest is lower when rates are higher, the value of the interest passing to the charity and therefore the grantor's income tax deduction is higher. Furthermore, the grantor's taxable estate is reduced by the assets gifted to the CRT, as well as future appreciation on such assets. Pretty amazing stuff. And this is the type of strategy that sparks joy in my day and makes life so beautiful. 
Okay, that's it for financial questions this week. Feel free to email me with any questions you have, and I might answer them on a future episode. You can reach me at Jonathan at ParkBridgeWealth.com. With that, it's a wrap for this week's show. Any comments or questions, feel free to reach out directly to me via email. I love hearing from my listeners. And if you could, please subscribe and rate this show on Apple or Spotify. It will help other financial enthusiasts find this podcast as well. And finally, the secret to financial success is no secret at all. It's to spend less than you make, invest the difference prudently, and ignore all the noise. See you next time on Jonathan on Money. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. I hope you were able to take away a nugget or two to apply to your own life. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can be alerted whenever new episodes drop. If you'd like to submit a question that may be answered in a future show, please email me at jonathan at parkbridgewealth.com. Be sure to check out all Jonathan on Money content, including all my articles, webinars, and videos by following me at Jonathan on Money on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Finally, if you like what you heard today, please rate the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps ensure that other personal finance enthusiasts can find the show as well. Thank you and catch you on the next episode of Jonathan on Money.